You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vincent Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 188 of the Comic Book Informer, coming to you at some indeterminate point in October oh, because, that. man, life just keeps getting in the way of comic books, doesn't it, Roger? Yeah. It's, it's been a fun couple of weeks uh, for us here. With You name it, it's happened, but that's okay because man, we're finally back this week. No promises. <laughs> so... What I wanted to talk about first was some of the news coming out of New York Comic Con, which was forever ago at this point. <laughs> but I know there's, uh, you know, there are a few uh, announcements from Marvel. They talked about uh, new ongoing series for both Silk and Spider-Gwen coming out uh, early next year. But their big announcement is that we were talking about in the last episode how all this interdimensional stuff was going to be building towards something. And they finally announced that it's going to be the Secret Wars. And I know you were super excited to hear that. It was, oh, God. I, you know what was funny is that I was, I was reading up on it a little bit, albeit. And I was wondering, are people actually – were people excited when this was announced? Because if they were, that's – telling of the differences in how we think because it's it's a it's yet another freaking event they're just starting one now b it's another it sounds again it's another heroes fighting heroes crap and it's like it shows no originality at all so i read that or like i said i read a little bit about it and it was like oh god yet another event to skip you see, we knew with everything that's been going on with New Avengers and everything that, yes, it was going to eventually build to some sort of big interdimensional war. I mean, that was pretty much a foregone conclusion. So from that aspect, OK, you know, it's it's where the story's going. But to specifically bring out the Secret Wars title and everything that carries with it just smacks of trying too hard. I Yeah, I was not impressed at all. And especially over the past couple of weeks now, they've been teasing coming summer 2015, Civil War, House of M, uh, Armor Wars, World War Hulk. They just announced another one today. I forget what it was, but it's like a greatest hits of all the big events that they've done over the last 20, 30 years. And it's like, you know, if they had done it this year as kind of a celebration with their whole 75th anniversary thing going on, I'm not going to say I would have liked it, but I at least would have understood it. This is just... It's a lot of flash, and I highly doubt there's going to be even remotely enough substance for it. We've said and it you, before. You know I'm willing to give these things a lot of credit, and even I'm not on this train. Yeah. We've said it before, and we've said it with DC, obviously, but also Marvel. Like, There's some serious need for some new blood there. Like they need to get rid, and not just writing staff, because I'm quite certain this isn't all writing staff. This is higher ups, editors saying, "Okay, we got to figure out a way to bring this, this, and this back for these events," and then they make the writers work it. And so, like, we need some new blood there in a huge way, so that we can have some original ideas of things that they can do with the with the all of these IPs. It's just it's absolute stupidity in my book mm -hmm. although looking at that uh teaser image they put out for the secret wars a couple things did stand out to me first of all what's up with the creepy clown in the corner that's just not right but aside from that we have this picture with multiple thors multiple captain america's captains america whatever <laughs> iron man you know you name it but there's only one spider-man in that entire image <laughs> And it's Miles. He's the only one that's going to make it out of the spider event. What have you done, Slot? <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to come back to that later. <laughs> and then secondly, uh, we finally got our first trailer for the Power series. What did you think? I actually didn't watch it. Oh, okay. How was it? It seems kind of, I don't want to say cheesy, but budget. Like, you can tell that that somebody pointed out it actually looks like a fan trailer 
would look like. Like it, it doesn't look like it has the production value that you know Sony should be capable of. I Charlotte Copley, we've said on our uh, Popcorn Ronan podcast, we both love the guy. You know, in in the movies he's been in, don't think this is the role for him. He has he's doing that same thing a lot of foreign actors do when they have to play American. And they can't get rid of their accent. So they just talk all gravelly and like Christian Bale Batman. And it's not really working for Christian Walker for me. Like it just doesn't read as that character. Uh, I think Susan Hayward could be good as Dina Pilgrim. There's not a whole lot of her in the trailer uh, with, you know, that Dina act- attitude that's really going to carry the series one way or the other. Um Eddie Izzard is friggin' awesome as Wolf, though. <laughs> Going back around to when we saw him on Hannibal, I'll love anything he's in, at least while he's on the screen. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It. I mean, obviously, we're both going to watch it because we're PlayStation Plus subscribers and we're going to get it for free anyway. But my hopes are not terribly high on this. Right. And into our discussion for this week, when I uh, mentioned a couple months ago that I was giving DC another chance, there were some things that I saw they were putting out that kind of made me reassess how they were going as a company you know some different directions they were trying so some like you said some new blood they were bringing into the fold new writers new artists same editors but at least it seems like those same editors are kind of loosening the reins a little bit and they're putting out stuff that we haven't seen from them in the last couple years uh and we're talking about two of them today with gotham academy the new series that started as well as uh the new issue of batgirl which started a completely different direction for that comic and we're going to start off with Gotham Academy, uh, written by Becky Cloonan and Brendan Fletcher, art by Carl Kershaw, Geyser, and Dave McCaig. And just when you look at this, this does not look like a comic DC is known to be publishing in you know, 2014. And that's been my one big knock against DC, aside from them not being very good. With very few exceptions, the entire line just looks the same and feels the same. So as soon as they showed off this comic that looked vastly different from anything else they were putting out, it immediately drew my interest. The art is spectacular. The art is fantastic in this. I love the style. I, the, whoever did colors especially, wow, beautiful colors, the one, panel layouts. One thing, I'm just, since you mentioned colors, the skirts are bothering me. You know, they have the, the private oh, the school pattern checkered across. pattern on the skirts. And it's obviously just like a copy-paste fill of a generic pattern. Yeah. That is running a perfect 90 degrees X and Y, regardless of which direction the skirts are in. As fantastic as the entire rest of the comic is, that stands out so badly. I'm going to tell you honestly, I didn't notice I, it, now that you bring it up, of course, I do notice it's it. It's one of those things that once I did notice, then I, yeah, you I couldn't stop. You can't unsee it. But yeah, up until you bring it up, it's not really something that I, I would have even noticed at all. And it is a shortcut that I can understand to a certain oh, degree. I'm sure that would have to be a nightmare to color. Yeah, it would be ridiculous to have to do every panel properly with the folds. So I'm I'm all right with that. But I mean, even knowing now, I can still get around it just because my eye is not drawn to that. It's drawn to the rest of the art. That's so good. Yeah, and to the credit of the artists as well, <laughs> these are not short skirts to titillate. It's just a school uniform. At no mm-hmm. point is there ever any shots where you're like, oh, that's inappropriate. It was done fantastically throughout. And it, honestly, this is a comic that if it hadn't been for Bruce Wayne showing up in the last couple pages, like if you just handed this to someone, it, they would not have known it's a DC comic because it's so unique among the line. It looks different. It reads different. It's intended for a different audience than most DC comics. You know, it definitely playing to a younger market, yeah. but still can be enjoyed by by anybody, of course. And it's just... Like I said, this is one of those things that kind of got me to give DC a second chance because they're just going to start putting out stuff like this. Then, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a little more interested in what they have going on. This is exactly the kind of stuff that I want to pick up and put aside for my granddaughter for when she's old enough to read comic books. It's strong, young female characters that are well-written. The story is not, you know, hugely original, but it's still fun. And it was still 
the characters are still dynamic enough that I'm looking forward to seeing where they're going to be going with the stories and the characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, our two main characters here are Olive and Maps, who I I don't know if their ages were ever specifically mentioned, but they're probably, what, 13, 14, somewhere around there? If that. Yeah. And they go to a private school in Gotham City, Gotham Academy, and... I don't know. If you were driving past this building, is this a place you'd pay to send your kids? Yes. <laughs> it, it looks, looks like awesome. Arkham Asylum. <laughs> Which is awesome. What kid wouldn't want to go to school there? But yeah, the, there's not a whole great deal of story in the first issue. It's just kind of establishing the characters as, you know, these two girls who in their own ways don't quite fit in. And it's it's your typical coming of age teenager type story, but it's handled well. It's told well. It's interesting. And like I said, it's different enough from what DC is putting out that it's definitely worth your attention. Yep. All right. Any more comments there? Nope. That's good. All right. So then we're going to move on to Batgirl, written by Cameron Stewart and Brendan Fletcher, art by Cameron Stewart, Babs Tarr, and Maris Wicks. And again, this is another one where just by its looks, it's vastly different from anything else they're putting out. But this one also has a very different tone compared to the previous. Like this is this. Let's put it this way. If Marvel was publishing this, it would have been a number one, not a number 35. <laughs> it's a, I don't want to say a complete reboot, but a complete reimagining of the character based on where we've seen Barbara before. Mm-hmm. I hadn't actually been reading the new um, Batgirl. The, well, the reboot since the 52, I'd read a little bit of it, but I hadn't been reading it. So I honestly don't know what they'd been doing up until this point. It it had its ups and downs. Like I was actually I, – I started reading it again somewhere around like issue six or eight or whatever and it, because when we read the first couple issues, we weren't impressed. But I, I gave it another shot because I do enjoy Gail Simone's writing and I started getting back into it. So I said it, it wasn't fantastic all the way through but there was some really good stuff in there that was keeping me interested in the character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd read some of them but I just hadn't been keeping up religiously with all of them. So there was some stuff that I was still I, – again, I don't know the overall theme that they were working on uh, before. It, it was very much a bat comic right. uh, in that you know gritty, dark tone, which is why this was such a huge surprise with you know being bright and colorful and cheery. Again, art very different from anything else DC is putting out. Didn't enjoy it as much as Gotham Academy, but I still appreciate the style. It, it, it definitely fits in with the tone of the story they're telling. Just for me personally, I know I'm not the intended audience for this comic. So it, as, as much as I enjoy what they're doing, I don't know if I'm going to continue reading this one personally. I already know I'm not, which mm-hmm. isn't to say that it was terrible. But there were some things that I was like, eh. And then the story overall was really, again, I I know that it's trying to set up this for lack of a better quote or saying, a new chapter in her life kind of thing. And she's moving out and moving into a new place and that adjustment and, and things like that. But overall, it was just, I don't know, it was nothing spectacular. And then it's like, create a, 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 a thing, a, a Facebook type thing, using her name with a picture of her with the red hair and then showing up in costume, red hair a-flowing. Oh, she couldn't make it. She stood you up. No, anybody in their damn right mind <laughs> will know, know that you're the one that put that picture up of yourself. It's like, oh, come on. And then the whole thing with the implant in the brain was a little too sci-fi for me. So it was like, meh, I wasn't thrilled about it. Yeah, like for me, like I said, it's just more the general tone of the series. Like, you know, she's moving to Burnside, which I guess is like Gotham's version of South Brooklyn, if you will. You know, with the, you know, this huge hipster culture or like Austin or Portland or any of the other places like that. And it's just it's an aesthetic both in real life and in comic books that does not appeal to me in the least bit. So I, I get that it's very accurate to that setting and to the, those types of people who are interested in that would be interested in this. I just don't know if the people who are into that aesthetic are reading a whole lot of comic books to begin with. And if they are, I don't think they're reading DC. Hmm. Honestly, I can tell you. Yeah. So it, I don't know. It's, it's not bad. And again, I appreciate that they're trying new things, trying different things. Just not for me personally. Yeah. 
And then a lot when this series was first announced, a lot of uh, was made about the new costume, how, you know, it's more realistic, how it's it's not your typical, especially from DC standards, female superhero costume. And I like the costume design. Just for me, it's not Barbara. But again, that's that's a personal thing. Right. Like I th- if this had been Stephanie Brown or something else, I thought I would have thought it was perfect, but it doesn't read as Barbara Gordon to me. But they're moving in a different direction. That's what they want to do. They have my support for that. Right. And then just kind of tie things together, I figured we had to talk about the latest issue of Batman with issue 35 because this was a big one. <laughs> Written by Scott Snyder, art by Greg Capullo, Danny Mickey, and FCO Placencia. Did not see this one coming, huh, Raj? This was fantastic. (laughs) This was a ton of fun. And as always, A, writing was a ton of fun. From Alfred and Bruce cracking jokes at the new quote-unquote Batcave place to the ridiculous action, the suspense throughout wondering what's going on, in multiple, in, in different ways too, like the initial, everybody's evacuating, what's going on? And then realizing, oh, it's something's going on with Batman in there. Oh, something's going on with Wonder Woman. Oh, crap, it's everybody. And it was one surprise after another right and through to the very disclaimer. last panel. I wasn't <laughs> going to actually. Talk, we're, we're, no, we're going to spoil okay. this because it, it, it needs to be discussed. So if you haven't read the issue Fast forward about five minutes because I'm the, I don't want to ruin this one for you. And, well, just that. So again, the writing throughout was spectacular. Like, and that's not a surprise though. We know this from Snyder. I I can't think of anything that he's disappointed me in yet. Period. So like some of the stuff, like the non Batman stuff, maybe isn't as amazing, but it's still good. But the stuff that he keeps writing for Batman is just on point and phenomenal. And then again, the art here was just from the Wonder Woman attack to the pages with the flash where it's all taking place in the span of that bat symbol falling to the ground. And you're like, holy crap. It was just, this was a ton of fun. I love this issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's one of those really well pulled off twists. Like we talk about it so many times, where we see twists in a story, and it's just like, oh, they just throw something out there at random just to make it seem like, oh, they pulled one over on you. No, this one worked the way it played out. Like <laughs> we're kind of stretching the things I'll believe Bruce is able to go through where, you know, he hunted down this mystical artifact we've never heard before that allows him to lock Wonder Woman in a, in a hallucination, but I don't care. I don't care. I I was into it enough. You know, I really liked, you know, how he said that of all the justice league, Barry is the one that worried him the most as far as being able to plan for. And when you think about it, it's absolutely true. You know, everybody else has a weakness and yeah, Barry has weaknesses too, but you have to be quick enough in order to, to exploit it. <laughs> it just completely chumps out Aquaman. Yeah, that was so funny. funny. <laughs> <laughs> but just, and not knowing what was going on for 20 pages. It's like, it. I was thinking it was something, you know, they found his files on them or I could not have, I had about five different theories I was carrying through the story and not a single one of them is that the goddamn Joker was back. Actually, for me, I'd seen the image before I read this. So it ruined the ending. So I I knew going in. And then Um, the way that ending was told of those last couple pages with everybody slowly starting to smirk until the final panel is that huge Superman Joker smile was just I love that chilling. Like I, I, I just got goosebumps again thinking about it. I love the panel though with Aquaman in that pink stuff because when he's smiling at the end because he looks like a little kid in those sleeping bags that wrap around your head. <laughs> it looks like he's going camping and he's so happy. But, uh, and I love the way that Snyder did the whole tying in the theater 
with how much money had initially been spent on that theater and the, the city rebuilding and everything like that. And then that theater getting destroyed at the end and talking about, again, the icons and the, the angels coming down. It was just, again, I, I had loved this. It was, it, it shows too, like we're, when we're talking about comics, a lot of times, like we, we stress how good a story has to be and things like that. And, and that, you know, there's there's cliches in so many di- different stories that we read nowadays. But if it's still if it's well done, it can still be a lot of fun to read. And here's an issue that is such a cliche: the rest of the Justice League going after Batman and how he would have plans to defend against them. But it worked. It was really well written. The art is spectacular, and it was a ton of fun to read. And a lot of respect to Snyder for any number of reasons, not just the actual writing of this issue, but, you know, he's been talking about this and how when he came into Batman with the new 52, he knew the four main story arcs he wanted to do. And that was Court of Owls, Death of the Family, Zero Year, and then Endgame. I'm sure he's going to continue writing beyond this because he'd be stupid not to. But he's been planning for this for years now. And he even like put in all the little like links he was tying to how in zero year they were talking about how, you know, the red hood had some end game and plan. And of course the red hood never confirmed, but in many origin stories, the red hood is who becomes the Joker, the original red hood. So a lot of stuff that he laid in there, but as we saw with death of the family, everybody knew that was going to be a huge Joker story because that's how, what it was advertised as. But Snyder wanted this to be so much of a surprise and, Mission accomplished yeah. that he went to D.C. and asked them not to over publicize this, that he wanted it to be a surprise. He wanted the fans to really be behind this. And D.C. went, OK, we will do that, but we're going to raise the cover price to four ninety nine since they couldn't you know, publicize as much. And they, they knew they weren't going to sell as many initial copies as they would have if they had. They needed that counter. And then Snyder stood up. And fought them on that as well and actually got them to reduce the cover price back to the normal price for this storyline. So in all respects, Scott Snyder's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's going to wrap our discussion up here because just wanted to cover a couple little things. And uh, I'm sure we have a lot to talk about for what we've been reading. Oh, God, yeah. Before that, what I've been watching is on your suggestion, I actually did watch the uh, Flash TV series. And? Only the – only the first episode. I haven't okay. watched the second or third yet. But yeah, I actually really enjoyed it. I was very pleasantly surprised. And, you know, I have some issues. A lot of that is just due to the fact of how much story they had to pack into one hour. So I'm willing to forgive some of that. I'm not a big fan of after the first episode, four people already know his secret identity. That's just it's something that bugs me again, personally. But that said, I really appreciate it. And you compare it to any of the other mainstream media stuff that we're getting from Warner and DC, be it, you know, the Batman movies, even Superman and uh, Arrow, Gotham, that this is the one thing they're putting out that's not embarrassed to be a comic book in my eyes. It knows it's goofy. It knows it's – I can't. I was going to say flashy. I, I stopped myself. You're welcome. Like it, it's just big. It's loud and it's it wears that it on its sleeve and it's not embarrassed of it. And I, that's something I appreciate. Actually, Arrow kind of does the same thing only in so much as it takes itself so seriously. And from it, that gives it a kind of a comic book feel because – at no point do they kind of laugh about the fact that here's a dude just shooting arrows. It's serious and it's it kind of still works. This season of arrows kind of been it it's been okay, but it's been I don't know not as good as some of the other stuff that we've seen from it and some of the stuff going on. I'm not really digging quite as much. But the Flash, I didn't watch episode three, but I did watch two and. It did a better job with two than it did with one. The one issue, one again, like you were saying, they were trying to get so much information in and there was so much narrative and stuff like that. That wasn't the case with two. Two was just really well done story. And then so I'm I'm looking forward to watching three. Mm-hmm. All right. Beyond that, uh, Axis, we've actually already had the first two issues come out. <laughs> and before I say anything, Roger, what do you think? It's about stupid. Story? No, no, I'm not. I don't care what you think. I know what you think. I want to know what you think. I think. Oh, oh, Jesus! Seriously? 
Yes. Oh, God. I, honestly, I don't know. There's elements of this that I'm betting you'd like, but I don't know if you are, judging from how much you your disdain for AVX, I'd be willing to bet that this is maybe a little higher than AVX on your your list. That is correct, but it's also not saying much. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, this is something that Reminder has been building towards since, God, what was it, issue five of Uncanny Avengers, I think, is when he first mentioned the red onslaught and all that. And right from the get-go, onslaught is one of those red flags for me. You know, we've talked about how I have certain red flags that just kind of set me off that this is not going to be good. But I was willing to give Reminder the benefit of the doubt based on how I know he builds his stories and how it it grows, you know, the big, huge, bombastic stuff grows organically out of the smaller stories he's been telling. And that's my biggest disappointment is that didn't happen here. Like they just finished the whole Planet X thing and Uncanny Avengers and they did these two issues of Rogue and Wanda and uh, Havoc going to Genosha with Red Skull and Magneto. And it just it just happened. Magneto crushed the Red Hood skull and suddenly he's the onslaught. Like there was no justification for why that should have happened. And it's just like, oh, they're just doing things. Like I don't know if this was rushed. I, I don't know why it turned out the way it did. But just from the get-go, I was already pretty iffy about it. The first issue – of the actual event wasn't all that impressive to me. And even the second issue, second issue had some better moments with the character stuff, but still it, it was just stuff happening. Like there was no reason for any of it. That said, while the actual access series isn't holding much for me, I am actually interested in some of the tie-ins. Like I want to know what's going on with Magneto. Like where did he get these people from? Like it seems like a lot of the most interesting stuff to do with the series is going to be happening out of the main series. So for the Axis series itself, I'm not into it, but for the overall event, I think there could be some good stuff in here. Haven't seen it yet, but yeah, I'm, I'm not terribly hopeful about this one. And that's pretty disappointing to me. I, (sighs) at one point, I think it's Tony makes a, a crack about let's not just be doing this whole hero versus hero thing. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Vaguely. It's a joke that he's making that's supposed to be all, you know, meta because that's what everything always is. Mm-hmm. With them, it's a hero versus hero. But you can't have hero versus hero and then try to cleverly put this, oh, let's not do that joke in there and haha we're not doing it no you just did it so it's there you you can't do that and that's what this was it was just yet another stupid excuse to pit heroes versus hero and then heroes versus magneto and magneto rounding up the rest of the villains and stuff like that like the like you said the whole thing with onslaught to begin with is stupid but i thought Stealing Xavier's brain Mm -hmm. was stupid from the get-go. It made no sense. It was ridiculous as a concept. And then to go further and to say that, oh, well, now he's this giant onslaught thing. Look at Ono's. And he still has a little piece of Xavier's psyche stuck in there somewhere. And it's like, oh, come on. So I read the first two issues and it's like, at this point, I'm reading it just so that I can keep up with continuity, <laughs> and I use the term lightly, <laughs> in so much as it's going to pertain to following events and things that are happening. I'm not reading it because I'm liking it. I It, it was bad. The, mm-hmm. the art was great. I'll oh, give absolutely. them that. But the story is stupid. Absolutely stupid. I hate it. And, of course, we had the big Summers Brothers reconciliation oh, again. For the third time this year. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not working. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Moving on uh, with the Earth 2 stuff. Uh, we had a, an issue of the actual Earth 2 series as well as the new weekly World's End series that they're putting out. And I enjoyed a lot of this because they're going back to the, quote, origins of Earth 2 back when Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman were still around in that universe. And they're 
they were bouncing back and forth between the past and the present and showing how the characters that are gone versus the characters that are still there. They brought Power Girl and Huntress back from the regular DC universe on into Earth 2. So now they're fitting into the situation. You know, Huntress finding out her grandfather is still alive with Thomas Wayne. Like a lot of really cool character stuff going on there and tying a lot of disparate story threads together. So really good on that account. Like I, I really enjoyed the way they pulled events that I don't know if they were intended to just be completely disconnected or if they just weren't doing a good job of explaining it in the first place. But yeah, they, they did. I enjoyed some of that. Some of it was taking a little too far with, you know, past associations with like Val, the new Superman and Kara knew each other back on Krypton. And like some of that was a little stretch, but overall I enjoyed it again, though, another weekly series. This is now the third weekly series DC is putting out. They're doing Future's End, which the first issue of that was so awful, I never looked back. Uh, Batman Eternal has been has been decent. And then now this, like, I understand it's a big sales thing for them because <laughs> they're going to see how many of these they can put out before people stop buying. It's just, it's, a, it's way too much comics. So, like... I'm still going to read the monthly Earth 2 series because I enjoy it. I enjoy the writing. I enjoy the characters. But as far as a weekly thing, I'm probably just going to kind of keep up on synopses on those because it's too many comics. Right. And then finally, Witches, which is the – I think it's Image. It might be uh, Vertigo. I forget. But I'm pretty sure it's Image. Uh, creator-owned horror series from Scott Snyder. It is Image. OK. I loved this. I have because it. I haven't read it. Don't spoil this. It. I'm not going to spoil it, but this is my favorite kind of horror, not gore, not violence, just disturbing, creepy and based on actual folklore. Like all of my favorite horror writers really tap into just the history of, you know, the areas they write about, the people they write about, that there's a background to this that's larger than anything they could come up with on their own and they use that to their advantage and it's it's just creepy and i really enjoyed it and like there's even bit at the end where scott snyder talks about how he went on you know he used to go on witch hunts in like the woods in his backyard and he's taking pictures of like these dilapidated buildings and ruins i was like you didn't even write the comic you could just posted this photo log and it would have been creepy (laughs) enough but yeah it's definitely my kind of horror cool and that's all i've got for this week at least okay you comfy? <laughs> <laughs> okay, did you read The Death of Wolvie? No, I tapped out on that one. You did? Okay, like I'd been saying for the first three issues, it was like, meh, whatever, not a big deal. I really wasn't digging it all that much. Fourth issue redeemed the rest of the series. Really? Yeah, not in such a way that I'm like, Wow, this was amazing. No, not at all. But it was good and it made sense. And that's a big one here because did you read about how he died? Yes, okay. I did. So, like, I know what happened. I just didn't actually read okay, it. Okay, spoiler for folks who have not read it, but it's at least a couple of weeks old, so you should by now. Um, so yeah, so it, it, again, it it made sense. Everything was leading him. Everything always leads him back to Weapon X, and we already knew going in that there was going to be the split off, and other quote unquote Wolverines were going to be popping out, and they'd be having their own series. So we already know. Obviously, there's some work being done to try to produce more of the same things. So. Obviously, he'd be trying to find whoever did this and, and, and go after them. So it was, it was again, it's not that it was a spectacular story. That's not what I mean from the redeeming. It's just that for me, it made sense. And okay. with such a thing as, again, Logan's death, which we've seen how many bleeping times he was just <laughs> in hell. Like, we we've seen it so many times that it's... It's just not a big deal anymore. And I'll get into some of that not a big deal in other issues in a minute. But so it was kind of like, okay, well, how are they going to do it that A, it's impactful and B, makes sense for why he's dead, but also makes sense as to how he's going to be coming back? Because quite obviously, 
it's freaking Wolverine. He's coming back at some point. And as opposed to freaking Xavier, whose brain is missing now, <laughs> you know, that's going to be a hard one to bring back. The whole Nightcrawler, well, he's just come back and he's made of a whole bunch of little bamps kind of things. That was stretching it there, but it's Kurt, so willing yeah, to forgive yeah, exactly. that. <laughs> but a brain missing is kind of a big one, especially for a telepath. This here, with him encased in adamantium, yeah, it's unbreakable, but it kind of, things can still be done with it. We saw his claws get broken. We've seen his claws be wrapped around when he was, who did that to him? I can't remember who it was now. That was in the first iteration of Wolfie and his peeps, wasn't it? When he went to the casino and his claws got all bent around. Like, it's still malleable within reason. So for them to find a way to chisel him out, I can buy it. And yeah, his healing factor was gone at that point, but I'm sure they will have some kind of shot of some kind, a needle that they can... Unless they kill off Beast as well, they'll always have a way. Yeah, there's something that can be done to get him out. So it's like, okay, yeah, he's dead, but I can I can roll with this. It will make more sense when they bring him back. So like Sewell said, you know, it's how you tell a story. Yeah, we know they're coming back eventually, but it's how you tell the story, if it's good or not. And... And this was good. Like it, the, when he shows that his healing factor is gone just before the fight, you're like, well, that was cool. That was kind of neat. So yeah, it was all right. The, the legacy first issue is then shown where they're going. And I, <laughs> I love that they grabbed all of the X people and just shoved them in a freaking room. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> so you got, I don't know when Dokken came back. So much for uh, I killed Remender my son. Remender brought him back in Uncanny Avengers as one of the Horsemen of Death. Ah, okay. Shows what I know. So yeah, so it's like, oh well, see, once again, you can't keep a bad X-Men down. <laughs> so yeah, the whole thing. <laughs> much fi- as we would like them to keep that particular yeah. one. <laughs> the, um, the whole thing with Mystique being Xavier was so blatantly obvious that I couldn't get behind it even to pretend like, oh, maybe it is. Maybe they're bringing him back now. It was just stupid. Plus, they'd be able to tell from his scent. You got freaking Sabretooth and Wolverine and X-23. Scent of animals thing is like, no, they'd be able to tell. So, and the concept behind it, I don't know. It's kind of, I don't know. This whole idea of just splitting up a whole bunch of stories for each one of them to figure out what's going on and then showing some of what's going to be happening. Of course, the the weird dude with the knives taped to his hands I thought was hysterical. <laughs> did you did you actually read this? No. There's one panel. I'll actually I'll show you the one panel. <laughs> that in and of itself is worth the price of admission. Just that one <laughs> panel was hysterical. Uh, but yeah, as a whole, the issue was like, eh, okay, you're letting me down now at this point. And then you have the tie-ins for this. Now, again, for all intents and purposes, for us, we know he's coming back. And maybe in the world of X-Men, they're so used to people coming back that they don't take it seriously anymore. But when you read, like, Wolvie and his peeps, and it's like, he's dead and everybody's dealing with it. And it's like, man, they're dealing really well with this. This is like... Not really a big deal. A few kind of like, oh, I'm sad. But overall, it's like, really not looking all that sad His about this. kids have been through enough. Like It's honestly. not just the kids, though. Some of them is the kids talking, but some is Beast talking and and uh, and Phantom X, which really could care less, apparently, and, and other people. And it's like, really, nobody is, nobody really looks to care all that much. And the art... It was like every story had a different artist, and it was like, oh, God, it was terrible. I hate when they do that. Has that ever worked? I don't know. So, yeah, for a remembrance issue of his comic with the school, this was like nobody really cared. It wasn't a big deal. And then there was the Nightcrawler one, which... That one made more sense. Of course, Nightcrawler is more in touch with his feelings. He is 
feeling this. He's not happy. He's trying to deal with it um, different ways, setting up the whole holodeck training room thing so that he can create a space to see him and a party for him and all that. It was, it was closer to what it should be with them missing. But even at that, it was like, "Mm, not all that much. You you look like you care a bit, but still not quite enough. I don't know if you read that one either. I I haven't read that since like issue two or three. Yeah. So it was like, "Eh, nobody really seems to care all that much that he's dead. (laughs) They know. (laughs) So, uh, shifting gears. Did you read the last black widow? (laughs) I'm super behind on that comic. Okay, so we know that the lawyer got kidnapped, so now she's got to go get the lawyer. Who does she bring with her? X-23. <laughs> and she said because okay. she wanted somebody there who's angrier than her. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yep. <laughs> so, I'm down with that team up. Um, the only thing that I found, and as much as I love the art style, man, you really see how this artist makes a lot of female characters look exactly the same. And it's it's like freaking what's his face that, that we hate, um, like Greg Land. Yeah, Black Widow and X twenty three have a lot of similarities in how they look, like a lot. It's distracting when you're reading it. So, the story in and of itself, pretty typical kind of team up thing, but it was still good. It was still good. I enjoyed it. And X twenty three is always awesome. Uh, I'm not done. I know. Okay. You will be surprised, but I read a Deadpool, the Hawkeye versus Deadpool, number one. I did not. Okay, well, I don't want to spoil it then. (laughs) I'm not worried about being spoiled. (laughs) It was good. Okay. But again, it's one of those, like I've said time and time again, Deadpool with other people can be really funny. By himself, I'm not always digging it because it's way out in left field. But, you know, a little Deadpool goes a long way. And the, this team up with him and Hawkeye is funny. They make it work really well. And there's one panel especially. Again, one panel is like, oh, my God. And you have to read this, I will say. I know you actually like Deadpool more than I, so you're likely to read it anyways. Read it. Read it. And you'll know what I mean by the one panel after you read it. It was. It made me laugh out loud. I, I, I've seen it circulating around Tumblr. Is it when uh, Kate tells him it's a nice Freddy Krueger costume? Yes, and then she turns around and is like... <laughs> face. <laughs> yeah. It was so perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, but, but everything. The, uh, yeah, and the, <laughs> the Halloween trick-or-treater that's dressed as Galactus with a bullet hole in his forehead. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. And Deadpool says even I think that was too soon for that costume. <laughs> but there's good lines throughout like that that are... Really, actually, quite funny. It was, I've, I actually really enjoyed this. It was good. So, yeah, definitely read it. Uh, next, next. I have more. Where am I? Hold on a second. Oh, did you read the latest Rack Queens? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it was good, but. It was more of a it, history. Yeah, right? it, it wasn't. It's saying it's the weakest of the eight issues is kind of doing it a disservice, but like it, the Betty wasn't it. So there is that. I actually enjoyed it because oh, no, it was good. It it showed us why she's there because we got some stuff going on with her in the current times for whatever that time I get to is. See her with the beard. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> I love when she's talking to the other woman and she whispers, "Marry me." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh, you're so good," but uh, but yeah, no, I I enjoyed it. it. Like you said, it's not the strongest of any of them. It is the weakest of them all. But for a series this strong, that's actually saying a lot. Like yeah. it was still, it was still, still better than just about anything else you'll read. Yeah, it was. It was really quite good. Did you read the Spider Man with uh, Ms. Marvel? Yes. <laughs> what a team up! 
Oh, absolutely. Though those two had to team up. I I love that. <laughs> I love that Anna has a squirt water squirt gun. <laughs> the water <laughs> to squirt on <laughs> Silk and Spider Man. <laughs> I I really like this a lot, but of course. Ms. Marvel is just fantastic and she gets so excited when she's on these team ups with him and like it's fun to to read and that's a big one. So yeah, and the the tie in with the Spider-Verse was- Dan Slot is a monster. <laughs> okay? Listen, <laughs> to kill the actual Spider-Man and his amazing friends, that that hurts. But you know what? That was 30 years ago. I'm willing to let that go. But you kill the freaking spider cat, cat. we got issues. <laughs> that was so awesome. We've got problems when you kill spider gato. That was... <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I'm assuming you read the uh, Miles Morales one as well? Yeah. We He's fun? not dead yet. What's that? He's not dead yet. He's, well, of course not. <laughs> what? Way to go, Miles. <laughs> yes, Miles is awesome in this. Miles issue. was a freaking beast in this. That was awesome. It's like one of those pivotal moments in a character where like something changed, something snapped in him. He's not the same. He's 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 not the same. He's not a boy anymore, kind of thing. And it was freaking awesome. Still a little too again like bringing someone back to life, and you're like, oh, that's weak. Yeah, the whole I'm immortal thing was, eh. No, I'm talking about Peter. Well, same thing. He's yeah, immortal yeah, too. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, okay. Yeah, that was that was weak. I really didn't like that at all. So, which is too bad. Um, and then you must have read the last couple of uh, Spider Verses. Well, you read had four? read the. I I had not yet read the the scary one mm-hmm. with the uh, the <laughs> where he's just killing people. Which was freaking awesome. <laughs> that was really well done. But the, what did you think of the last one? Well, you know how much of a huge anime nerd yeah. I am. So you give me a Spider-Man Evangelion issue, and of course I'm going to love it. <laughs> with with shout-outs to like Ghost in the Shell and Akira. Yeah, this is this was great. And the pig. <laughs> Spider-Ham. <laughs> <That was, laughs> and I like Daredevil in this too. Yes. Their version of Daredevil. It took, it took for, me a minute, and I was like, "Oh, wait a minute! That's Daredevil. Daredevil. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> that's their version of a team up between Spider-Man and Daredevil. Except their roles are kind of reverse, and Daredevil's a little chattier, and she's kind of like what Daredevil is in normal continuity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And the art was spectacular. Really enjoyed it a lot. They're just having so much fun with this. They are, which is great for us. Yes, <laughs> it is. Okay, only two more, and I'll make it fast. Oh, uh, Spider-Man 2099. Meh. Kind of wrapping up that little story arc, but it was like, mm-hmm. uh, not as much fun. That doesn't count. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> Just remember, you're the one that's editing this thing. I, I don't care. At this point, I don't care. Um, <laughs> Justice League 3000. Have you been I, keeping up with that? I haven't gotten back into that because I was so far behind from when I wasn't reading anything. Oh, so Read them. You know, okay. it's again, one of those where you're looking at just how much trouble they're in with the strength of the villains they're up against and thinking there is no way in hell they're going to come out with an ending that makes sense. And then you read it and it's like, kind of makes sense. I can roll with this enough that, yep. Okay. Good. You did a great job wrapping it up. And there's some phenomenal character moments with them. Like we like who these people are, not in terms of who they're cloned to be, but their characters kind of thing, especially the freaking Batman dude. I I love the guy who's Batman in here and the guy who plays Hal freaking badass little bastard (laughs) because he's still small. So yeah, it's, it's actually really quite good. And last one, dude, if you're not reading it yet, Read the freaking Rocket Raccoons, okay? I can't believe that I'm saying this, but it's true. You have to read this comic See, I'm book. the type of person that once I get a little bit behind, I just kind of forget it ever exists. It's four <laughs> issues. They're only on four. Give me a break. It's a little bit. Oh, you dumb <laughs> bastard. Read it. The last issue was 
great because again, it's like he's following a trail that there might be another raccoon like him. And this is the, I don't want to say conclusion to that, but he figures out what's going on. And then there's the big fight kind of thing still with the, all of the women he's dumped and used over the years. It's the same kind of thing again, where you're having just a fun story that's well enough written that, and the art obviously is spectacular that it's just, it's fun. It's not deep. It's not, you know, anything. It's, it's fun. There's a couple of panels where you're like, Oh, you poor guy. (laughs) But overall it's just great. It's a lot of fun to read. I really enjoy this series. a hell of a lot. I can't say enough about it. And I'm looking forward to, of course, they had to have a little teaser on the bottom where you're like, oh, (laughs) I can't wait to see what's happening there. (laughs) All right. I think that's... You know know we're doing another one of these next week, right? Enough. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. As a quick aside, because this literally just popped up on Twitter, uh, Ken Levine that uh, there's a game on Kickstarter called The Black Glove, which is basically made by a bunch of his old employees from Irrational Games. Just announced that Charles Soule is coming on to help write the game. Oh, that is awesome. Unfortunately, it also looks like that's not going to get funded. So they're 15 days to go and they still need another $450,000. Ouch. Although it's funny. It says right here. Yes, that's right. One of the Black Gloves developers killed Wolverine last week. But to be fair, the guy totally had it coming. Had it coming, yeah. <laughs> all right. Anyway, moving on to this week's new releases. Marvel brings us all new Ghost Rider number eight, Amazing Spider-Man number eight, Amazing X-Men number 12, Avengers number 37, Axis number three, Deadpool number 36, and X-Force number 10. I think that should be 11, though. I might have messed that up. DC, we have another new comic with Arkham Manor number one. We also have Batman Eternal 29 and Earth 2 World's End number three. From Dark Horse, we have Predator, Fire and Stone number one. IDW has a huge week this week. We have Borderlands, Fall of Firestone number three. Dungeons and Dragons, Legends of Baldur's Gate number one, featuring fan favorite character Minsk and written by Jim Zub. Uh, We have Godzilla Cataclysm number three and Godzilla Rulers of Earth number 17, Rotten Ruin number two, Samurai Jack number 13, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Ghostbusters number one, and Transformers Robots in Disguise number 34. Jesus. Buy something from IDW this week, guys. (laughs) Image, we have Lazarus number 12, Stray Bullets Killers number eight, The Walking Dead number 133, and The Wicked and the Divine number five, and then Valiant brings us Delinquents number three. So that's going to wrap us up here this week at Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. So hopefully until next week, thanks for listening. Coming to you at some indeterminate point. Indeterminate Indeterminate